Wednesday's Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and it's February the 10th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Now, for the past Wednesdays, we've been taking a look at CFW Walter's Lectures to Students in a wonderful kind of a situation where he's talking about students, how they often misapply law and gospel. He had 25 theses. The first four are kind of describing the distinction between law and gospel, what it is, what it is not. But the last 21 theses talk about 21 ways in which laity, pastors, parents, what they do is they confuse law and gospel. Uh, Let me give you an example. For example, a member comes to the pastor and says, Pastor, I feel that God is no longer close to me. So what does the pastor say? Well, I know what your solution is. You need to come to church more often, particularly not only on Sundays, but on Wednesday Lenten services. Uh, Attend the Bible study and then do readings at home and go over the hymns for the... Do you notice what the pastor's doing? He's telling this person who says that God is far from him what the person needs to do in order to get a feeling that God is close to them. Well, guess what? That's law. That's telling a command in order to get right with God. And the law never accomplishes that fact. What's the gospel? The gospel is to indicate to a person that word and sacrament is such that there are promises connected to those two. And giving the promises to the individual asking that question helps them to come to an understanding that even though they may feel that God is far from them, guess what? He isn't. So the question is, who moved? And it's not God who moves away from his believing children. It is we who decide we don't want to listen to God. So that's kind of an example of how law and gospel are misunderstood, where you tell a person what they need to do. Now, I thought what I would do today is really talk about something that's been on my mind a lot. And it's on the basis of thesis six. You are not rightly distinguishing law and gospel in the word of God if you do not preach the law in its full sternness and the gospel in its full sweetness. In other words, a lot of pastors mix the elements of the law with the gospel. The law says, here's what God wants you to do. But then as you attempt to do it, it is impossible to do it perfectly. The gospel comes through and tells you, you are on 
incapable of doing what God wants you to do perfectly. So God does it and transfers it over to you. Like, you can't pay for the forgiveness of your sins. So God dies on the cross to make that payment so that your sins are forgiven. Now, why is this an important thesis? I believe that in this society, particularly with the teaching of evolution, people really have a problem when you end up with a person who is really evil. They often cannot understand it. One of the best programs to watch at, uh, to watch, and you can get them on YouTube, tube, is Midsummer Murders. Now, these are made-up programs, fiction, but they're often based on real events. And what this program does, I tell you, by the time you finish watching it, you come to the realization that there's nobody who's really honest with their feelings. They all have jealousies. They all have pride. And what's interesting with Midsummer Murders is that over 80% of the programs I've seen, the murder is always a woman, which is something that often doesn't occur in real life. But it's kind of interesting to see the motivation behind these. Now, why am I bringing that up? Well, because I watch other programs. One of the best ones to watch, because they're all on the basis of true stories, is FBI Files. There again, every time there's a murder, I would say 80% of the time, it's due to a bad relationship between two people, either husband and wife, or even worse, between two people who have decided to live together even though they have not at all been married. So why am I bringing this up? Walther talks about that the law must be preached in its full sternness. That's what God did to Israel when they were doing things contrary to the word of God. They were worshiping other idols and they were doing immoral activities. So he sent them into Babylonian captivity. In fact, it happened a whole number of times in the book of Judges. And the point I wanna make is that there are always consequences to sin. Sin is a lack of morality, and in today's evolutionary thinking, you don't need God. There really are, is, well, there's no ethics involved in evolution. It's survival of the fittest. And so how many times do you see somebody arrested for murder and they give the excuse that that person that they killed wasn't doing what I told them to do? or they were no longer happy. So what we have in the world today, we have a different definition than the biblical definition of what hope is, what comfort is, and what 
love is. In other words, in the world, hope is coming about because if I only change my circumstances, then things will be better. And time and time again, individuals put to death others, even in their family, in order maybe to marry someone else or start living with them. We need to understand that when two people are living together outside of marriage, and we're talking, you know what I mean, we are seeing the devil at work. Now you'll say, well, wait a minute, they're Christians. Recall when Jesus told the disciples he was going to Jerusalem to be killed. Peter didn't believe it. And he said to Jesus, no, we'll take care of you. What did Peter respond? Get thee behind me, Satan. So we need to understand the word Satan here means to be motivated by Satan. And I, I believe a lot of times that in many churches, the word of God of the law is not preached in its full sternness. I mean, you even got churches that are filled with gay people because the church even teaches that that's the way you were born. Well, there are too many passages in the scripture where that kind of lifestyle is absolutely contrary to the will of God. And it will have negative consequences. In fact, they're already beginning to happen. Who would ever have thought not that many years ago that there would be marriages between a man and a man or a woman and a woman? or between a male pastor and another male pastor or a female pastor. How did this come about? Well, there are schools that have activities for people who are gay. They can meet together, and the reason for their meeting together is to support one another and give them hope that even in this society, where many look down upon a gay marriage, that they still can find comfort and love. So when a gay person says, I love my partner, well, there's a number of words in the Bible for love. But this love would be an erotic love. It's only for personal comfort. I remember I was at a congregation helping them out while they were calling a pastor, and I was given the name of two individuals in the congregation, a male and a female, who were going to be being married, but in the meantime, they were living together. So I had them come to the office, and we began to discuss what they were really doing. I said to the male, I said, why are you putting your wife in a reputation of being a prostitute? And he could not understand what I was saying. I said, no, she's willing to live with you, go to bed with you, and the reputation she has 
is really quite negative. Not only that, what if you die? There's no automatic way that she's going to get any of your possessions or be taken care of. This is just a way in which you are trying to fulfill your own desires. And this is not love for her. This is lust toward her. We, we had a discussion with her also. And she finally said to me, you mean if I go home and live with my parents until we get married, that's going to be okay? And I said, yes, because then you're not having the experiences that only should be controlled in a marriage ceremony, a marriage relationship. And that's what they did. They separated until the marriage. Any pastor can give you a whole bunch of situations. I had another one where the husband had a mistress. Now, she wasn't Lutheran, even though the husband and his wife were Lutheran. She was another denomination. So I asked the two of them to meet with me. And we went over the commandment against adultery and fornication. And it was very clear that her denomination also was against adultery. But nobody had really told her that in the sense of bringing consequences. But it was really splitting up his family. His wife knew about it, and she didn't know what to do because she still loved him. Well, after that conversation, he decided to drop his mistress, return to his wife. And at this point, as far as I know, they're living happily again together. But it was on the basis of hearing the word of God and particularly hearing about forgiveness. Now, there's no doubt that anyone who murders a child in the womb, which we call abortion, that there are many women who end up after four or five or six years having a great guilt complex for what they have done. And I've counseled them also. They are repentant of what they have done, but it still bothers them. And one of the points that I wanted to make is there's no doubt that even though you can be forgiven a sin, the consequences cannot be erased. Forgiveness does not erase consequences here on earth of sin. You can drink too much, get in a car, and in your driving, run over somebody. Now, you are really sorrowful over that. But the consequences should be that you are arrested and penalized for drunken driving. That's really important to do. I was watching another true story, and it was about a serial killer who ran around and had killed 14 women 
And when I hear these stories, I just wait to see, okay, was there something the woman was doing wrong that caused this or precipitated it? And in this particular one, it was killings done in Manchester, England. It so happened that the 14 women were all prostitutes. He would pick them up, uh, take them to a quiet place, and put them to death until he killed the 15th woman. And the papers noted that she was a college student. She was not a prostitute. She had a job. She was well-liked by everyone. She was just, unfortunately, in a situation where he was able to find her and kill her. The paper said, this is the first innocent woman that we know of. And boy, did the paper get labeled as being very cruel because the paper was indicating that the prostitutes were not innocent because of their lifestyle. But the world wants them to be innocent also. Well, there are things of immorality that you do that you end up being put in a situation that is negative in its consequences. And I would say that prostitution is definitely one of those. Now, Jesus, he even met with prostitutes and tax collectors and other sinners, but to proclaim the forgiveness of sins, and many of them changed their lifestyle because of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, why do two people want to live together apart from marriage? They think it's the way of a happier life. And they misunderstand the word love because love isn't something that makes you happy. A lot of times when you do a loving action, it can result in suffering for you. Just take a look at Jesus on the cross. Was that a loving action? It certainly was. And yet, he really suffered. So people often go immoral because they're pursuing a happier life. But that's not what's happening. Now, why am I bringing all this up? I think that parents, particularly of sons or daughters, that either have become gay or gender-problemed or thinking of an abortion or other problems of immorality, like living together, they need to hear the law in its sternness. It's not at all unusual that Christian parents would say to, let's say, a gay son, he's coming home from college, and he tells his parents he's going to bring his boyfriend, and they're going to sleep together in his former bedroom. Well, a Christian parent will say, no, you are not doing that. 
we will not allow that kind of immorality to occur within our house. Now, the son may say, well, then I'm never coming home. And that will cause suffering on the part of the parents. It's not that the parents will not want to sit down privately with the son to discuss this, but they need to send a message of how God regards such immoral behavior. And that would mean that they would not permit that to occur. I have situations where I was going to go to eat with some friends and then they told me, by the way, we're going to have a, a gay couple who are eating with us also at the restaurant. And I told them, oh, I'm going to bring that up right away and try and discuss with them why that is a horrible activity in God's eyes. Well, they went and told the gay couple, and the gay couple said, well, we're not coming if he's going to be there. And so they took away the invitation to come and eat with them. This is, of course, part of being a Christian. You need to take a firm stand on people who are immoral, particularly if they are relatives. And in that situation, we need to send a message that Walter talks about, that the law needs to be talked about in its full sternness. Now, as soon as someone, as I did with that one couple that were living together, realizes that this is against the will of God, they didn't think it was against the will of God because they were planning on being married. And so they thought they had the right to live together before marriage. But when they realized they did not, they changed their mind, stopped living together until the marriage. At that point, you don't talk about the law anymore. You talk about the gospel elements of the forgiveness of sins and how every one of us, including pastors, sin in ways we may not do deeds that are obvious to people, but remember the Sermon on the Mount talks about words and thoughts. You can't control your thoughts a lot of times. The devil gives you those thoughts. And if you like those thoughts, then that is as much sinning as actually doing the deed. And that's why we say in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses. We need to have that wonderful message. So what we're really being faced with today due to evolution is no morality. It's survival of the fittest. And nobody's going to tell me what to do, including God. Or they'll say things like, well, that's not really what God meant. I was watching one program where a priest was counseling a woman who was pregnant out of wedlock and she was very embarrassed by it. And the priest looked at her and said, oh, don't worry about it. Times have changed. Nobody thinks like that anymore. So it's unfortunate that even religious leaders are not preaching 
the word of God in its full sternness. And who knows who will not repent and therefore not go to heaven. That's what we're talking about. So you need to be bold with your children, even with your friends in these particular areas. The church has a lot to do with that. On the next Law and Gospel, Rumination Thursday, we'll be with Wes Reimnitz and be talking about a subject that we hope will be of interest to you. 9.30 tomorrow, Thursday. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.